you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I haven't said that in years. I don't know where that came from. Amen. Y'all just maybe need to hear that. I don't know. Amen. Well, praise be to God. I want to go ahead and jump into our sermon today. I was listening. I, I love to listen to not just sermons and leadership principles, but I love to listen to Motivational speaker sometimes. We all need to be motivated, amen. And I was listening to a general speak yesterday uh, on my way home from Oklahoma City after celebrating my uh, granddaughter's one-year birthday. Amen. I had my daughter's birthday this week and my grandbaby's birthday this week. And <laughs> we're taking up another offering after service. The general was talking. He says, there's 10 things that I've learned from SEALs training about life. And he was so good. But one thing he talked about was, he said, we would have to get dressed and the sergeant would come by and we had to be everything a certain way. Our belt, our shirts, our uniforms, our ha- everything had to be a certain way. He said, but inevitably, every time we would do it, no matter how perfect we look, they would find fault. They'd grab your belt and mess it up, or they take your hat and knock it off, or they do they would do something and say, Hey, now you gotta go run. Everybody's gotta run because of this guy. He said, and we could tell you very quickly who was gonna, in essence, ring out. He said, within fact, within a couple of weeks, we would go from 150 candidates down to about 42. He said, but you could tell who was going to ring out most of the time because they're the ones that when their belt would get messed up or their head, they'd get mad and they'd get upset about it. How dare he die? I know it's perfect and da-da-da-da. And as they used to be those guys that would end up ringing out and leaving the SEALs training. He said, what they didn't understand is we could never be perfect. They didn't want us to be perfect. They wanted to find fault. They were trying to teach us character, trying to teach us not to let the things get to us, trying to teach us to don't listen, don't get mad at things that you can have nothing or control over. I tell you that story, last week we started our new sermon series, Hard Knocks, and we talked about the orphan spirit or the orphan heart that many Christians don't understand their father. And they knew who their father was. They wouldn't struggle with an orphan heart and not feeling good enough or worthy enough. And I brought out some words last week that I, I want to talk about this week and, or th- the next couple of weeks. And the word that I want to talk about is rejection. Anybody ever felt rejected? Everybody put your hands up. Because everybody's felt rejected. Now, unless I, I do have a friend of mine, and uh, that friend of mine, he... Uh, for some reason, he doesn't struggle with rejection. In other words, 
He, whatever that thing is where we struggle how people feel about us or what people think about us, he doesn't struggle with that. He's about the only person that I know that's like that. The rest of us, we do care. In fact, when you're all big and mighty, you go, I don't care what people think about me. You care more than everybody else. You know you do. So today I want to talk to you some about rejection. Let me tell you before I get to my scripture, let me tell you a little story. You have to go over and 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, in essence, has just got through with a duel, a battle. But not a, a war, not a weapon. What, what has just happened is, is that there's a drought in the land, and Elijah's getting tired of it. And, and Elijah, in fact, he says this to the people of Israel. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. If Jesus is God, follow him. If your money is God, then follow him. Or your fame is God, follow him. Or your job is your God, follow him. But he said, make a decision. You can't follow both. So he comes up to the king and he says, I tell you what. Let's, let's make a bet. On this altar, we're going to put a sacrifice. We're going to put down some wood. We're going to put a sacrifice, a bull. And what we're going to do is, is first you and your 450 prophets of Baal and your 400 prophets of Esra, what you guys are going to do is, y'all going to come and y'all going to pray to your God that he will light this sacrifice on fire. You can't do it. Your God has to do it. So that morning, they get there. They start dancing, doing their little dance, and they're shouting. And, and from morning to about noon, they're doing their dancing and shouting. They're probably getting tired. And finally, Elijah, anybody here a trash talker when it comes to your sport? Raise your hand. Y'all trash talk. I've learned not to trash talk. I, I, it's after they win that I trash talk. I've learned not to trash talk beforehand. I don't want to be embarrassed. So Elijah goes up to them and he goes, hey, maybe y'all need to shout a little bit louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Hey, 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 maybe you need to shout a little bit louder. Maybe your God can't, can't hear you. And guess what they did? They shouted a little bit louder. Dance a little bit more. In fact, this time they started taking spears and swords and they started cutting themselves, trying to get some blood to make their God finally do what they wanted them to do. And guess what? Now it turns evening time and well, their sacrifice still sitting there. So now Elijah's like, move aside, youngsters. And Elijah walks up, sacrifice on the altar, wood on the altar. But he does something. He builds a trench around the altar. What is he doing? And he gets 12 people and he brings up 12 jars of water and they all come to the sacrifice and they pour the water over the sacrifice. I can almost, I know it's not this way, but I can almost see it in my mind. Elijah's standing there, the prophets of Baal behind him and he's like, <laughs> just to make it harder, I'm a poor water, and the water flows down and actually begins to fill the trench. And he prays to his God. And fire comes from heaven. 
It's like a barbecue. And he just lies. You know, you ever do that before? You, you, you put the stuff in there and you throw the match in because you put in too much gas like every man does. And we do it because we just want to see the fire. Let's be honest. It's not about making it hot enough for the food. We just want to see the fire. So we pour enough gasoline there to blow up all Wichita Falls. And then we're like, and we run because we know what's about to happen. And he prays and the fire comes down. And it consumes all the sacrifice and the wood. And the Bible says the water like that is dry. And it's like Elijah reaches out and just drops the mic. My job is done. Well, not yet. Then he kills all the prophets. Sad day for Ahab. I tell you that story because now we go over to chapter 19. Now look with me at chapter 19. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods... You mean the gods that couldn't light up the fire? You mean the gods that didn't help you? You mean the gods that sit there and let all your prophets die? I may the gods deal with me, be it so ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. Let's stop there for a second. See, my thought of what Elijah had just done right here, he'd been like, bring it on, honey. I'm right here, Jesse. What you going to do? I'm ready for battle. I just killed 850 of your prophets. What you got? Nope. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judea, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Enough what? You just brought fire from heaven. You just killed 850 prophets of Baal, and you had one woman. The woman's always to blame. That's the only amen I'll get. The only amen I'll get the rest of the service. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom, the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And Lord, I pray today that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And let not one, not one leave this service the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Not the reaction we were expecting, right? For a man who just saw fire, who just prayed for fire to come to heaven from heaven, a man who just saw the, the, the sacrifice lit up, a man who saw the water, although they had drenched the sacrifice in water, which should have kept the fire from igniting, but yet God ignited the fire, burned up the sacrifice. Then who destroyed 850 prophets, those of Baal, those of Esra. But yet one little woman says to him, be it 
that sometime tomorrow, brother, I'm going to kill you. And he runs. He runs scared like a little coward. You know, I want to talk to you today about rejection. It's not that she did anything yet. It's not that she had any power yet. Because at this moment, he had killed the prophets. He had brought down the fire. All she had done is really rejected what he had done. That's it. How many times in your life have you allowed rejection to throw you in a tizzy? To get you all messed up? To make you feel like your life is over? How many times has someone said something and all it was was a critique, a correction, or they didn't like what you were doing, and your life was all messed up. How many of you know that there are always going to be those who reject what you do? It's just part of life. Most of the time, those who are rejecting what you do, it's not that they really reject what you do. They just are rejectors, period. They're good at it. That's who they are. And you have to learn in life that I'm not going to let my life be determined by someone who's always rejected me and putting me down and telling me how what I'm doing wrong. See, the first thing is I'm going to talk about death threats. See, rejection for many of you is a death threat. Remember what she said? So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. It be so ever severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. He receives a death threat. See, can I tell you that's what rejection is to some of you guys? It's a death threat. It's a death threat to your confidence. It's a death threat to your self-worth. It's a death threat to your qualifications that someone rejects you or rejects. In fact, sometimes, guys, it's not even a rejection of you. It's just a rejection of something you did, and you get all torn up about it, all messed up about it, and it puts your life in a tizzy. See, the only rejection you need to really worry about is God's rejection. And can I tell you, God isn't rejecting you. God is receiving you. God isn't rejecting you. God wants to reward you. God isn't rejecting you. God wants a relationship with you. And what we've got to learn, in fact, I want you to write this down. Don't let your past triumphs be overshadowed by your present troubles. Did you forget that just a few moments ago you destroyed the prophets? Did you forget that just a few moments ago that you had fire come from heaven and you let one little phrase come from this one little woman and it freaks you out? Anybody ever rejected you and it messed up your whole day? Anybody? Messed up his whole day. I mean, he ran, he got out of there. It says Elijah was afraid for his life when he came to Beersheba. In Judea, he left his servant there. Can I tell you when you know you're in trouble, when you keep trying to isolate yourself? In fact, I wonder as him and the servant are walking on their way, I wonder as they're heading toward the broom bush of the servant's going, yeah, Elijah's going to be all right. You know you've already killed the prophets. You know you brought fire from heaven. Don't let that little Jezebel tell you who you are. Guess what he does? You stay here, servant. See, that's what we do sometimes. 
We can't hear the good because of the bad of someone's rejection when you need to hear the good about what God is speaking over your life and your future and your tomorrow and stop letting the troubles overcome the triumphs that have already happened and are going to happen. But I promise you, if you sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and make two columns, blessings and curses, I'll make this promise to you. God's blessings will always far outweigh the curses that are in your life. They will. But you got to believe it. That's why he left them behind. See, stop letting rejection be a death threat to your life. First of all, this, sometimes the rejection, what they're saying, may have some validity to it. Listen to it. Bring correction to your life. Make the changes. But just because they say there needs to be a change doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean that you're a, a, a terrible person. It just means that there needs to be some correction. But don't let that correction be rejection. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judea. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. That's a little, is, that, is he a drama queen or what? He is a drama, my wife says that I can be a drama queen sometimes. I disagree with that. I reject her rejection. I can't, I'm the type that, I, I do have kind of perfectionist spirit in me and because I'm a perfectionist, if things aren't being done the way I want and I like, I can get a little bit, get a little bit especially if I had something happened to the other campus about a few minutes ago and I'm like right now, if they don't fix that, I'm going to kill them. That's a little overboard. That's a little dramatic. It's not like it's a huge thing, but I'm like, you're going to die. And Elijah's being a drama queen. He goes and he sits under the broom bush and he's like, oh, Lord, I just pray I want to die right now. I've had enough. And I don't know where that voice came from. I like how he says that. I've had enough. Enough what? You just killed 850 prophets. You just brought fire from heaven. You just prove your God is the one and only true God. And someone rejects you and you're like, I've had enough. I just wish I could go back in time and just be right there with Elijah and go, suck it up, buttercup. But some of you the same way. One little person says one little bad thing and your whole life is messed up. See, another thing that happens, what we find out here is when he goes through the boom bush, he leaves where he's at. In fact, we'll find out later on is this one. The next thing is not only is rejection a death threat to some of you, rejection is a delay to some of you. He had work to do. In fact, he was supposed to be back there. He was supposed to anoint two kings, and he had work to do, and he's back over here doing something he shouldn't be doing. See, that's what rejection does. It makes you indecisive. Do you know that 80% of most of your decisions should be made very quickly? Here's some of you. Oh, I gotta make. Oh, it's oh I gotta make this decision. <sighs> McDonald's or Burger King? Oh, McDonald's or oh, it's so tough. It's gonna have such an impact on my life. Oh, McDonald's or oh no, now there's Taco Bell. Oh my God, what am I gonna do? For the love of God.
God, just eat somewhere. It doesn't matter. And that's how, why? Because you're afraid of rejection. See, that's what rejection does you. It delays what God wants to do in your life because you're so afraid if you're making the wrong decision. You're so afraid of what people may say. You're so afraid. The only person you need to worry about what talk, who talks about your life is God Almighty. That's it. See, here's something else you need to write down. Don't let people's feelings about what you've done affect your feelings about what you can do. I don't know, that can preach right there. Y'all, you must, y'all didn't hear it or you're the wrong congregation. Get out. <laughs> don't let people's feelings about what you've done affect your feelings about what you can do. One person who disagrees with you should not make the decision for you. And let me also throw this in there. And even if you have a mistake, he said, you got a legitimate mistake. We all make them. And that doesn't mean you're rejected by God. That just means fix it, get on your way, and do it better next time. But stop allowing the enemy to make you feel rejected. In fact, here's another one. Write this down. Rejection isn't a reason to resign. In fact, it's probably a reinforcement you're doing the right thing. In fact, when I do something great for the kingdom of God and nobody complains, I'm like, oh, my God, I messed up. What have I done wrong? When people start coming and complaining to me, I'm like, I'm on the right track. Do you hear me? It's just like when they're about to go into the promised land and the giants are there and they think the giants are signs that they need to turn around. No, giants were road signs saying, you're on the right way, keep going. Don't fear the giants because your God is bigger than the giants. Yeah. It's the same thing with your life and you need to understand that. When you have rejection, it doesn't mean that in essence you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. In essence, what it really means is you're probably doing the right thing. You're being reinforced that you've done the right thing. Just trust God. Have faith in him. Believe that he's going to work it all out, that he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. If you look at 1 Kings 19, 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that. It's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now remember back when he's under the broom tree, the broom, broom bush, God sent him here. He said, go to Mount Horab. He gets to Mount Horab and God goes, what you doing here? God, did you, God, did you, are you losing it? You told me to come here. See, it wasn't that he was asking why he was at Horab. It's why are you not where you're supposed to be? Well, God, I've been rejected. Come on, Elijah. Did you think ministry was going to be easy? Did you think life wouldn't be hard? That general that I was listening to, one of the things he said he found so funny was that every morning they had to make their beds. He said, we're warriors. We're seals. Why we got to make our beds? He said, but every morning we had to make our beds and they had to be pulled just a certain way or tight. If not, they'd come and they'd rip the beds out. He said, it had to be made a certain way. 
And he said, it took me a long time to realize what it was about, but it finally hit me one day, and it was this, that no matter good or bad or what happened that day was, you keep on with life, make your bed. No matter how the day turned out, make your bed. No matter how you were feeling that bed that day and got out of bed, get up, fix that bed, and say, I'm doing one thing to get my life going, to get the next step. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to have faith. We've got to stop letting the enemy put us in destinations that were far apart from God because of rejection of others, and we've got to start saying, God, I will do what you've called me to do. No matter if they reject me, talk against me, put me down, it doesn't matter. If I'm in your will, that's all. All that matters. Remember, it's because of one woman. Don't let the negativity, write this down, don't let the negativity of one keep you from using your gifts for the many. Don't let the negativity of one keep you from using your gifts for the many. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my testimony at our other campus. and I'll never forget as I'm sharing my testimony, I thought, oh, how far God has brought me. That through that time of, that it's been now 20 years ago, how I could feel the rejection of others and the comments of others. And how people probably didn't think I was deserving or worthy. But yet I kept doing what God called me to do. That even during that time, I even had one person one time speak a negative word over me. And, but yet I keep going. I kept going. I kept pushing through. See, rejection, what it desires to do in your life is restrict you from what God has for you. See, that's what it wants to do. But you've got to determine in your life to resist rejection. In verse 11, it says this, And the Lord said, Go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. How many of you know that God wants you in a place that you can be in His presence? It said, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I love this right here. Then, hear that. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, the Lord just gave him in that brief moment on that mountain at the mouth of that cave he just gave him an illustration of life. First, there was a wind, but God wasn't in the wind. Can I tell you, in life, the winds and storms will blow. They will come against you. We were in Oklahoma last week at a concert 
We're getting texts. Are y'all okay? Are you okay? We're like, what are you talking about? We were there to hear Hill, uh, uh, Elevation sing. Couldn't find out going on outside around us. There was 12 tornadoes. But we were so consumed we didn't worry about the tornadoes. See, then the Bible says that there was an earthquake, a shaking. Can I tell you, there will be shaking going on in your life, but you can't give attention to the shaking. Then it said the fire, that there was a great fire, but God was not in the fire. My father gave me something years ago. He said, John, I need to tell you something. To be a pastor, remember you're a pastor, not a fireman. I said, Dad, what do you mean? He said, don't spend all your time trying to put out fires. That'll make you a fireman. Spend your time preaching the gospel, saving lives. That makes you a preacher. Stop spending all your time trying to put out fires. In fact, some you're never going to put out. But he said, then there's a gentle, small voice. And right away, Elijah knew it's God. He wasn't tricked by the fire. He wasn't tricked by the earthquake. He wasn't tricked by the wind. He heard a small, gentle voice. Why did God speak in a small, gentle voice? God will never yell at you. And God will never shout at you. God will only speak to you in a small, gentle voice. You know why? Because God wants you to quiet your life where you can hear Him talk. In other words, he was saying, Elijah, you've allowed the storms and the shaking and the fiery voice of Jezebel scare you. I know you feel rejected, Elijah. I get it. But Elijah, can I tell you, I never rejected you. I never dismissed you. I never disqualified you. Can I tell you, Elijah, silence the sounds of the storms and the wind. Don't let the shaking around you grab your attention. Don't let the fiery words of others get you off course. If you'll quiet your spirit, listen deep in your heart, you'll hear the voice of God speaking, saying, Elijah, it's going to be all right. God's got you. And the story ends like this. He said, Elijah, I need you to go back the way you came. Can I tell you, if God didn't tell you to leave where you are, then go back where you were. That's important you hear that. See, some of you today are having sorrow and problems and issues in your life. Can you trace back to the last time you were happy? The last time you had joy? It's probably when you were connected to God. Then you need to make your way back there. He said, Elijah, I need you to go. King Hazel and King Jehu, I need you to go anoint them kings. Your job ain't over. So can I tell you, until God releases you, you keep doing your job. Well, how about if people don't like me? Keep doing your job. How about if people put me down? You keep doing your job. How about if people reject me? Then you keep doing your job. Because until God releases you or God moves you somewhere else, God ain't done with, with where you are and what he's doing. God hasn't rejected you. God still has a future in store for you. Will you stand with me today?
Thank you. I got a glory back there. If I can get some more of those, I'll be happy. This is the best preaching y'all ever heard. That's what it is. It's so good you can't move. I get it. I'm going to ask you a question. If you struggle with rejection in here, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to break that spirit off your life right now. We're going to stop letting the Jezebels get in your life. We're going to say to the Jezes, you have no more control over us. In fact, I want you to learn that word this week. Some of you, you will say it to that, that, that co-worker that just tries, tries, tries to get on your everlasting nerve. Don't say it to them, but say it on your breath, Jesse. When that person pulls out in front of you and wants you to make you lose your salvation, I don't want you to react. I just want you to go, no, Jesse. No, Jesse. I want you to learn that word. In fact, next week we want to have a contest. How many of you said it? How many times this week? You're going to stop giving in to rejection. It has no more power or authority over you anymore. Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised. I pray today, Lord, that you break that spirit of rejection off their life once and for all. Lord, they have not been rejected, but they have been received by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They have not been rejected, but, Lord, you've called them to a relationship despite their faults, their failures, their past. God, you've called them to a great and mighty relationship with you. Lord, I pray today that, God, you would break that rejection off their life once and for all. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, say, Pastor, if I were to die today, I don't know whether I'm going to heaven or hell, but today I want to know Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. It is so simple. All you've got to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that he is a son of the living God, died on a cross for you, rose on the third day, lives forevermore. And with your mouth, confess him, Lord of your life, you shall be saved. It's that simple. If you're here today and you're allowed to give your heart and life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? Amen. Amen. I've got two. I've got three. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want all of you, not just the three that raise their hand, but I want all of you to say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As three new names have been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart. And into my life, forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. I want you to give praise to God this morning right now. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Thank you.